Has this been a great study through Hebrews so far? Have you been marking it up? Something greater is here. Something greater is here in this word. And I, I want you to know that on the back, uh, when you come into the center door there, the garage door area, there's this, there's this big scroll uh, just kind of hanging, hanging down, and there's markers there. And what we would like for you to do is to uh, take whatever verses or whatever, however God has impacted you and go over to that scroll and, and highlight. And, and I noticed someone had kind of written a, a message already. I mean, you know, uh, it was on Hebrews 4, and that's what I was speaking on. So I thought, hey, I'm just going to see what, you know, maybe I can steal his thoughts. Uh, and uh, so take some time to do that. I want you to know that uh, in preparing for this message this morning, it has become very a personal, personal revelation for me. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you just directly how this, this chapter has impacted my life. Now, what, where Adrian has taken us from, from Hebrews 1 on all the way through up to chapter 4 has been impactful. But when you have to study it yourself, all of a sudden there's some deeper things you start getting, getting into. And um, now, I, I'm just a little pop quiz. I want you to talk back to me a little bit here. He, in Hebrews chapter 1, Adrian said that Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. Everything. I think, I think in the venue they said it a little more confidently. Okay? They, they, I think they're better students over there. But no, but uh, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus is greater than the angels. And we talked about the uh, warning passages the next Sunday about, about this. How shall we neglect so great a salvation? How dare we get comfortable with where we are and, and neglect the very thing, the very salvation that, that Christ has given us? And then last week we talked about the bigger, the better brother, Jesus, the better brother that we have. And today we're going to talk about the greater rest. And what really has impacted me is that this chapter has, has shown me where I have really kind of blown it in the area of rest in my life. In fact, I had encouraged my wife just to kind of stay home today to not listen to the message because I didn't want the message to keep coming back at me throughout the week, okay? Just, just stay home, honey. I'm going to be talking about something you don't need to hear because I don't want to hear about it the rest of the week. And she said, I'll make sure I'm there for sure, in the front row, making notes. But you know, there's various ways that, uh, that we find rest. And um, some of those ways are from uh, commercials that we, that we see, such as the, the My Pillow. My Pillow, right? My Pillow. Guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Any My Pillow owners out there? Well, a few of you are, are, are saying, and you look very, very rested, I should say. Okay? You know, the whole commercial is all about, you know, this wrestling with your pillow to get that perfect uh, place. And this, this my pillow is, is American patent pillow that is designed. He spent years formulating it there. You just lay your head down and all the worries go away. And you 
Wake up what? Rested. Rested. Or how about my sleep number bed? My sleep number bed. I went and I thought, you know, I've always heard about this sleep number bed thing, you know. And, and uh, so I looked it up online. And it's selling slogan underneath it. It said, my sleep number bed. And right underneath it, it said this. This bed knows you. This bed senses you. And this bed adjusts to you. And I'm going, that sounds kind of creepy. <laughs> the smart bed 360. Wow. You adjust this bed according to your need. If you like a firm feel or if you like a softer feel, you do all this. You can, you can, you know, set it up and it shows in the commercial where there's this guy snoring and then the wife gently just kind of bumps it up so he would quit snoring. You know, and I'm thinking, not nah, that wouldn't happen to me. My Lori would have it set on extreme upright and it'd be like, boom, you know, just shoving me right out of the bed. Get out of here. But it says that, uh, um, you know, hey, you know, if you have this bed, you're going to sleep well and you're going to wake up what? Rested. Rested. Well, how about this time of the year? This time of the year where, you know, we've had a busy school season and it's the vacation time of the year, right? It's that time of the year where you're going to get away and you're going to relax and you're going to rejuvenate yourself, right? You're going to, you've got all these plans and, and you're going to go and you're just going to escape and you're going to come back and you're going to say to yourself, man, I got another five or six months now. I can really go. But how many of you have ever heard someone say to someone, hey, you know what? Uh, um, how was your vacation? And you say, they say, well, I... It was great, but I really kind of need a vacation from my vacation. Didn't get much rest. If I were to ask you to describe your last three months, what three words would you choose to describe your life, your life in the last 90 days? What would be the three words? If you boiled it down, what would be your words? that you would use to describe your last 90 days, these last three months? Would it be busy? Tiring? Overwhelming? Stressed out? Hectic? Full? Draining? I know that some of those words would be on my list. You know what words wouldn't be on my list? If I was to describe the last 90 days, some of the words that wouldn't be on my list would be this, restful, at peace within myself, calm. Sure, I've had moments of these out there throughout those 90 days, but now over the course of my last 90 days, they would not be the, the sum of what my calendar is. There's just too much going on. Too many meetings, too many things to do, too many texts that happen at 9 o'clock at night or during lunchtime. That I just, the minute the phone goes beep, I'm already right there, right? Never take a break from it. Always answering emails, 11.30 at night or 
you know, technology's great, but now we don't even get an escape because we don't create that margin in our life anymore. We don't create any margin in our life that all of a sudden, that when the, the, the phone beeps and, and the email comes, that we're able to ignore that. I got a sickness, and that's my sickness. Is the minute it beeps, I'm like right there, and my wife's going, just leave it alone. It's okay. You know, why is that? Why doesn't rest and peace become a rhythm in my everyday life? Why is it that we struggle with finding this greater rest inside? We pursue and strive to get that physical rest, but that internal, emotional, soul rest that God so desires for us I don't know about you, but I wrestle with that at times. I forget about it so quickly. Why is that? Why do we think that the right kind of pillow would do it? Why do we think that if we buy the right bed that has the right number for me, that will provide, that knows me and will adjust to me and will sense me, that will provide me the, this uh, inner rest that I need. Why, why do I, I think that that's it? Why do I think a vacation is the ultimate rest that I need? Always become elusive. Well, it's because of this. I think it's because I've made one dangerous assumption. And God has really convicted my heart in this. And, and the dangerous assumption is this, that my to-do list or my daily agenda is more important than my rest and peace. That if I put the checklist agenda on one side of the scale, and then I put the uh, inner rest and peace on the other side of the scale, the scale tips drastically toward the checklist and agenda. And that's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. Chapter 3 he spends the time in chapter 3 uh, looking at them and warns the audience in great detail in chapter 3 that they need to continue in their faith, to continue to give themselves fully to God. Do not neglect so great a salvation. Find that eternal rest in Jesus Christ. Don't get comfortable in your own ways. That eternal rest. Take care, my brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. We have a tendency to drift, don't we? A drift in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual life. But chapter 4, chapter 4 today, he turns the attention to the Sabbath rest. The importance of discovering the greater rest that is ours in Christ Jesus here and now. And this morning, I want you to know that there's more at stake than just our to-do list. There's more at stake than just another text to answer or an email to, to reply to. That God our Father wants and desires and offers the opportunity to learn the importance of resting in Him. He just pleads for that. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. In Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 9, it says this. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest, what? 
still stands. In other words, he's saying, the offer is still good. It's still available for you. It was a rest that was offered back in Israel's time, but it's an offer that still stands today. It still stands. Enter the rest. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Do you sense the urgency here? Do you sense the, the, the passion that the author of Hebrews is saying, God has a rest for you. God has a, an inner peace for you like none other. And let's go on. He says, for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the Sabbath day in this way. And God rested on the Sabbath day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. I love this part. A certain day to find rest, and that day is what? Today. Today. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's today. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. In other words, do not come to a point of ignoring that God is speaking to you about what you need to let him have and to let him and rest in him. For if Joshua had been given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Did you, did you hear the many times that the author of Hebrews is just, just trying to drive home a point here? That rest is so important. Rest is the passion in the heart of God. That not only does he want a relationship with us, but he wants us to be able to rest in confidence and trust in who he is. The promise of entering his rest still stands. Verse 6, it remains for some to still enter it. Verse 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Well, what is this rest? And he goes on and he talks about the very various encounters that God wanted them to enter into this rest. And the first one is found in Genesis 2.2. It's called the Sabbath rest. And in Genesis 2.2, it says this, And on the Sabbath day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the Sabbath day from all his work that he had done. It's not because God was tired. It wasn't because of six days of going, whew, man, I need to rejuvenate. 
Basically, what that is saying is that there was nothing to add to what God has already done. He was, it was all complete. And God said to, to the people of Israel, I want you to honor a Sabbath day in your life. I want you to be able to say, there's nothing more that needs to be done. Just trust in me, God, that I am your provider. I have everything available for you. You can rest in who I am. And I will meet you in those very moments. And then the second arrest that it talks about here is the rest that Joshua was taking the, the people into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 12, it describes, God describes this. He says in verses 9 through 10, he says, For you have not yet come to rest into the inheritance the Lord your God has given you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God has given you to inherit, when he gives you rest from all your enemies so that you will live in safety. The promised land, the rest, that think of that as God is going before them, providing the land, the rest from the enemies, the rest from wandering in the wilderness. Do you ever feel like you're just wandering in the wilderness of life? And, and, and you're just trying to figure out what is going on, and God says, you know what? I tell you what, you enter my rest. You enter my rest. I go before you, and I will provide for you. I will protect you from the enemies. I will give you rest from the enslavement of the bondage of things in your life. I am the one that will give you that rest. And then in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my yoke, Jesus says, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I just took you through a brief from Genesis all the way to the gospel of God's desire for us to be able to experience rest in the inner soul of our life. To be able to have this peace and this confidence that God's got us. He's going to take care of us. He's there for us. He's our provider. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you how do we acquire that rest? How do we do that? And this is where God just, boom, and he just exploded this, the rest of this chapter before me and said, Brian, you need to get into a rhythm of rest in your life. And so we're going to talk about that. The four keys of discovering rhythm of rest in your life. And the the first one is found in in Hebrews uh, 4.11. And it says this, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The first area of rest is this. He requires, it requires a struggle of choice. Did you notice what the verse said here? 
I thought it was very interesting. I need to strive for rest. Didn't that sound kind of awkward? Didn't that sound kind of like an oxymoron? You know, I'm, I need to work. I need to give effort to find rest. It's a struggle. It is, a, it is a point of choice in our lives. It revolves around what we think we want versus what God knows that we need. Don't we always think that we know what's best for us? This is what I want. And God says, no, this is what you need right now. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to make every effort struggle to find that rest. See, there's a tension there. When we want to find rest in God, it's kind of like there's this tension of self-reliance. There's this tension of being able to want to do it ourselves and then uh, a self-reliance of effort. And then there's this trusting reliance that really God knows what's best for us. The only way I can best describe this is I'm going to read for you from the Caring Bridge uh, that Kristen Bauer had shared about two weeks ago on, on the, how Isaiah has been coming along since that uh, uh, very difficult accident when he got hit by the car and his recovery process. And God has blessed this young man, has taught this family so much through a very painful and hurtful time. And this is what Kristen Bauer put. So, we have another unexplained seizure instead of seizures. Again, God gives us the opportunity, opportunity to rest in the unknown, to seek and be grateful for the good, and recommit the future to him. Not that these episodes aren't scary and frustrating at times, for they send our family and our plans into a whirlwind, emotionally, physically, and otherwise. I love this part. But in the midst of all that, God is always in it. So we choose to roll from there. Wow. That's what he's talking about. Strive to enter the rest. When all of a sudden everything goes into chaos, you're going to know that God is in the middle of that. And you can trust him. You know, there's only one time that I can think of that Jesus was at unrest. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was at unrest because he was in prayer and he was wrestling with God about what was lying ahead before him. And he was praying and sweat drops of blood was breaking down through his life. And, and his prayer was this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When the author of Hebrews says, let us therefore strive to enter the rest, Jesus modeled that for us. Your Gethsemane may not be the same that Jesus' Gethsemane is, but what you're struggling with, what Jesus was struggling with there, was the very sense that he didn't want to take the cup, but then he came to a point of surrender and said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust in you. Not my will, but your will be done. And I will enter into this 
trusting totally in who you are and what you'll do for me. And Jesus went to the cross in a restful way, didn't he? He didn't fight back. He didn't didn't wrestle back. There wasn't any inner turmoil in him. He was in God's will. You see, rest doesn't come from the more we know, but it comes from who we know. We build that into our daily rhythm of our lives, God's provision, God's protection, God's our help. There's no neutral position in this fight. You either strive or struggle in the choice to rest in God, or you trust and learn from Him, or you lose ground and you become enslaved by unrest. The second area is this, experience the power of the exposure found in God's Word. Now, verse 12, I have quoted many times, but I have never, until I studied this, had never made the connection that verse 12 really is all about us discovering how to find rest in our lives, how to find peace in our lives. Verse 11 says we need to strive to enter that rest. Verse 12 says, for the Word of God is living and active Sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. I have never seen it that way before. Honestly, what God has shown me here is when I am at unrest, I need to get into the word of God. And the Word of God is living and active, and and it's engaged in the very part of what I'm going through in life. And then all of a sudden, it only describes it as living and active, but it's also sharp and it pierces. It cuts right to the core of what I need to deal with in my life. Why? Because it's active. It gets to the core. It's a struggle of choice. It's not for us just to get into the Word But the most important part for us is to allow the word to get into us. To show my heart what is wrong. Why why am I at at unrest? You know, what we need most is for God's word to expose the deeper issue in our heart. Yet at the same time, what we fear most is God getting to the deeper issue of our heart. Right? Right? And so what happens is, is we decide that we're not going to get into the Word because the Word's going to point directly to why we are at unrest. And then we have to do something about that. Let me just quickly take you to a passage that, just to prove a point with this. James chapter 4 is a classic that gets to the real core of what we deal with in life. James chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? That's a good question. Are you at odds with someone? What's causing quarrels and fights? And he gets right to the core. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And, you know, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong 
what? Motives. Man, God just cuts right to the, to the quick, doesn't he? He shows us what we really need to do within ourselves. And God's word is, is powerful and it's active and, and it judges, it shows the intentions and the thoughts and our attitudes of our heart. And God says, I want to I show that to you so you can take care of that. I want to show you how I can take care of that for you so you can be at rest because that's what God desires for you and I. But not only is the exposure of the word of God there, but also there is this seeking the sanctuary of the care of Christ, our great high priest. So when we get into the word and all of a sudden the word gets into us and shows us where we need to work on it, we can go to Jesus because in verse 14 and 15, it describes here, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know what that's saying? That's saying this. You and I have a Savior that gets it. You and I have a Savior that gets exactly what we're going through. You and I have a Savior that says, I know exactly what you're feeling. I know exactly what you're struggling with. I know that unrest. I know that Gethsemane experience. I was there. I know what you're going through. I can identify with that. Have you ever had a moment where you shared with someone uh, just uh, a circumstance in your life and that person says, I know exactly what you're going through. I went through that too. And all of a sudden there becomes this automatic connection, right? And you get to share some things and you find out how they work through it. And you walk away and you say, wow, I feel so much better because I thought I was the only one battling this. And Jesus says, you're not alone. I'm your great high priest. In fact, he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come, come to me. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened? Come to me. I will give you that rest. I know what you're going through. In fact, he says, not only just come to me, come and yoke up with me. In other words, come along beside me. I'm going to walk with you in this. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful that we have a, a Savior that's going to put his arm and he's going to yoke up with us and he's going to, as it says in Scripture there, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit. Jesus isn't a, a, a heavy taskmaster. He isn't going to just be telling us, why aren't you getting this right? He is lowly. He's going to meet you right where you are. He's going to put your arm around you and yoke up with you and he's going to walk with you and say, you know what, I understand exactly what you're going through. He gets it. He says, I've been there. I've done that. I know how to get through this. Trust me. Rest in me. I've got it. 
I've got it. Trust in my word. And the last one is this. Have total confidence to walk right in and receive the undeserved help at the throne of grace. Isn't that great? At the very last verse, he says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. I, hear, I see that, and it brings back an old song, Walk right in, sit right down. I don't know why. But it's just kind of, when I read that, it's kind of like, walk right in, sit right down. And, and, you know, one of the things that it talks about is that there's this throne. And the throne is a place of power and authority, right? But God qualifies this throne. It's not something for us to be intimidated by and fearful of and afraid that if we go to God, that God is going to reprimand us. Reprimand us. But he says, this throne is a throne that's filled with grace. And when you enter this throne with your weakness and your heartache and your unrest of your heart, God's not going to reprimand you and say, why are you, why are you not trusting me? He's going to extend to you and I mercy. That's what it says. He says that he will, we will receive mercy and find the grace to help in time of need. Mercy is basically this, withholding that which we deserve. You may be thinking about going to God and saying, man, I don't know if I go to God with this because I, I, I'm just so fearful of what God's going to say about this. And God's saying, don't worry about that. I'm, just, I'm a God of mercy. I'm going to withhold that which you are so afraid that you think you deserve. It's not going to come your way. But what will come your way is my grace. To meet your every need. The most undeserved help to give you above and beyond what you ever ask or think or imagine. God will meet you in that moment. Let me ask you this. Listen, rest is not found in the my pillow. Rest isn't found in the my sleep number bed or on that vacation. Rest is found in my Jesus, right? Who gets it? Who knows that it's a struggle? And it says in Hebrews, whoever enters God's rest has also rested from his works. In other words, this is what it's saying. You finally come to a point that you said, I can't do this myself anymore. And you finally hand it over to God. And God says, thank you. Now rest in the fact that I've got this. At creation, God said, it was good. And he chose to rest. At the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And he rose again from the dead. And he sits on the throne of grace, ready to give to us the help that we need to find rest in the everyday rhythm of our life.
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. In a room this size and over in the venue with everybody that is there, I'm sure that there are many various ways of unrest in our lives. And maybe God in some way has, has poked at that a little bit and said, you know what, how about, how about just letting me have it? Quit holding on to it. I know it's a struggle. You kind of want it. I know you don't want to give it up. I know you don't want to surrender. But why don't you just finally just let me have it and trust in my word and trust in the very fact that I'll come alongside you and I will teach you, and I'll walk with you, and I'll help you, and I'll give you the grace that you need in time of need. All the greater Sabbath rest, there it still remains. Have you found it? Is it in the rhythm of your life? Because we need to struggle each day to make sure it's there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our great high priest. And through you being the great high priest, you have offered the greater rest. The greater rest. That, that when you said it was finished, it is finished, it was finished. Nothing more needed to be done. Father, I pray that today, that today, that if there is someone here that needs is, that is an unrest in their, in their heart and, and there's that struggle going on right now. They're, they're feeling it inside. I pray that they will strive for the greater rest, that they will come up here after the service is over and, and meet the prayer partners and to pray and to release it and to let you have it, God, and that they would learn from you and allow you, Jesus, to walk alongside them and help them in the challenges in the adversities, in the circumstances of their life. Thank you for offering us the greater rest. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.